You're listening to the Forefront Church Sermon Podcast. Forefront Church is a progressive Christian community more interested in asking good questions than having all the right answers. Thanks for listening. Good day, everyone. My name is Reverend Vinita. My pronouns are she, her, hers, and I'm one of the co-pastors here at Forefront of Teaching and Community. Happy Pentecost Sunday. Amen. Amen. And um, happy Memorial Day weekend. So I am grateful to be able to continue our uh, sermon series and probably the final sermon in this series, uh, Why Communion and the Cross. So... I was recently having a conversation with a group of people related to what I want my response to be when it comes to a very familiar question. And that question is, what do you do? You're familiar with that question, right? When you first meet someone, what do you do? So I was trying to come up with something that encapsulates the significance of what I do rather than simply saying I'm a pastor or professor or director or caregiver or advocate. I wanted to say something else because I didn't necessarily know and I don't know if these titles actually define who I am as a person. This was my focus at one time, really thinking about my title. Did it sound cool enough? Did it sound influential enough? (laughs) Did I really have the right sounding title? Now, let's be clear. I respect everyone who has a dope title. Um, I respect everyone who is trying to land their dream jobs, those who are trying to work hard for those titles and for those various occupations because a lot of work goes into those titles. However, I'm just wondering if titles really give the full depth and breadth of who we really are. Do do they help us know who someone is? Do they tell what people love, what people are passionate about, who they love? Do these titles convey our struggles, our challenges, our aspirations, Do they convey someone's full story or just a part of it? I know someone who retired recently from a very successful career, and they had difficulty shifting into their new season outside of their title. You see, they had put so much value into their career that when they left it, they were lost. It was almost like their job defined their whole world. It was like they were struggling to determine who they were outside of their employment. Maybe it's related to the worth that our society attaches to titles and socioeconomic status, that we assign to individuals and the categories that we put 
people in based on their positions? Maybe it's because sometimes people don't like sharing their titles because they may feel judged that their particular title doesn't sound influential enough. And I understand this is part of our culture. It's something that we do, something that many of us are used to. However, what impact would we all have if we resisted what is expected? What if the answer to the what do you do question is something other than a job title? What if it's something that is empowering, that's affirming and edifying and encouraging without that particular label? What if it's a word? What if it's a phrase that actually means something more? This is what I'm curious about as we celebrate Pentecost. It's the Sunday that falls on the 50th day of Easter, and it's the commemoration of the gift of the Holy Spirit, that power that fell upon those apostles on the day of Pentecost after the crucifixion and the resurrection and the ascension. And it marks the beginning of our Christian church. Today is actually the fulfillment of the promise that Jesus shared with his followers as we find in Acts chapter 1 verses 8 and 9. And it reads this way. Here's the knowledge you need. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses first here in Jerusalem, then beyond to Judea and Samaria, and finally to the farthest parts of the earth. As he finished this commission, he began to rise from the ground before their eyes until the clouds obscured him from their vision. So, at this point, Jesus' life and ministry on earth and all that he had come to do had been fully realized. His great work had been accomplished. He had come to offer the message of a loving God and shifted people's lives, allowing them to be edified and set free, no, lo no longer bound by cultural expectations. Jesus had come to bring good news to the poor, to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free. Now Jesus was known and referred to by several titles in the New Testament, including, but certainly not limited to, the following, rabbi or teacher, Christ, carpenter, the door, good shepherd, the holy one, true vine, Messiah. I wonder if Jesus regarded his purpose and work more significant than those titles. Mark 1 and 38 says, he said to them, let us go somewhere else to the towns nearby so that I may preach 
there also, for this is why I came. John 6 and 38 tells us, for I have come down from heaven, not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. John 12 and 46, I have come into the world as a light so that no one who believes in me shall stay in darkness. John 10 and 10, I have come that they may have life and life to the full. And John 9 and 4, I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. The night comes when no one can work. Jesus worked his works. Jesus used his, his gifts and his talents and working through the Holy Spirit, he was able to edify and uplift and help heal so many lives. And as it relates to us and the gift that we have in the Holy Spirit, we are able to move through that power to be able to help transform individuals and groups and systems. Through the power of the Holy Spirit working in us, we can help shift paradigms. Through the power of the Holy Spirit working through us, we can help reframe theologies and understandings about our relationship with God. And this is not in a silo. This is not in isolation, but it's in community. It's with each other. For in unity is where we find our strength. And in that strength, we are able to move forward with ushering in the next 500 years of Christianity as a progressive community, being witnesses for Jesus, striving to speak the same language and embracing a unified message. It's a message of radical equity. It's a message of worship reimagined. It's a message of uncommon kinship. It's a shared language. It's, it's a language of resistance. And it's a language of critical thinking. It's a language of asking questions. And it's a language of affirmation and love. A language that can speak truth to power. It's a language that expresses rage over the record number, over 540 anti-LGBTQIA plus bills that have been introduced in state legislatures this year. Shout out to our own community member, Jonathan T. Williams, who went with the group up to Albany a couple of weeks ago to advocate for the rights of the LGBTQIA plus community. This language that I speak of is collective. It's a collective language that is outraged over the more than 30 bills currently across the U.S. targeting diversity, equity, and inclusion initiatives at public colleges. This language that I speak of today is a courageous language, a language that denounces any attempt to ban African-American history in Florida and throughout the United States and maybe even this world. Shout out to a member of our community, Colin's mom, who's working in Florida with the League of Women Voters to help advocate around these issues. It's a shared 
a language to resist the oppressive systems that attempt to hold us back down because the Holy Spirit and, and her power is stronger than all of this. And as it relates to African-American history, I'm an African-American woman. And, and, and best believe that I am very clear that my African-American history is part of American history. Thus, we can clap it up, hallelujah. Thus, the t-shirt I'm wearing today <laughs> says, I am my ancestors' wildest dreams. I am my ancestors' wildest dreams. And to say a quote from Maya Angelou, I am the dream and the hope of the slave. And that is something no one can ever take away from me because I will continue to rise and speak truth to power. Amen? amen. What if, what if, amen, as witnesses of Jesus Christ, we allow the Holy Spirit to ground our collective voices and purposeful work in thankfulness as we live life to the full? What if the Holy Spirit inspires us to be grateful for and affirming of all of our identities and all of our histories? What if the Holy Spirit leads us to ascribe worth to our lives based on Micah 6 and 8 so that we act with justice, so that we love to show mercy and live humbly with God in every sphere of influence? What if the work of the Holy Spirit helps us to live life to the full and enriches the lives of others as well. Jesus didn't come to give us life to the half full. <laughs> Jesus came to give us life to the full. And I believe our life to the full can overflow where the abundance touches the lives of others till that continues to overflow. And it's where all that we experience is bigger and better than what any of us could have ever dreamed of. Whether it is letting our abundance touch someone to have prayer with, whether it is sitting with someone in silence after they've gone through a loss and after they've gone through grief, we can allow that overflowing abundance to start a meal train we can allow that overflowing abundance to support someone who has been recently divorced. We can allow that overflowing abundance to pay for a student's college tuition. We can allow that overflowing abundance to allow us to befriend a stranger and become very good friends like family, like our tech director Robbie did at the Apple store where he befriended someone and this person, this what was a stranger, actually became like a grandfather figure to him. And we're praying for Robbie as he recently passed away this week. But this is what our abundance leads us to. It leads us to touch the lives of others. And it allows us to be a cheerleader for someone when they are going through a challenging situation. We can help bring abundance to someone's life in a myriad of ways. Let's be clear 
I have had so many challenging situations, and I attempt to continue to wear a smile even in the roughest of situations. I know everybody can't do that, but this is just where God called me to be. But this particular challenging situation happened last Saturday, <laughs> and it involved running a half marathon. Now, someone recently told me they had to look up a half marathon. I will let you know that it is 13.1 miles. And, <laughs> and let me tell you, Todd and I ran the whole thing, stopped to use the bathroom once. We got some Gatorade and some water, but, we, but we finished and we ran that whole thing. There were several people cheering us on. And I will be honest, it helped. You know, there were some strangers out there with bells and signs, and it really inspired me. However, what really made the difference as we were running was hearing Pastor Angela, who came on the trip with us. When she said, let's go, Venida! Come on, Venida! That made a difference. When Todd heard her screaming, let's go, Todd, let's go, Todd, he picked it up, right? And, and let's be clear, Angela was trying her best to find where we were in the route. They, they didn't give us the chip. It wasn't like Boston. It wasn't like a Brooklyn half or Brooklyn rock and roll. A little different up there, but in Martha's Vineyard, but it was okay. But she's like, where are you going to be? Where are you going to be? I said, Angela, just meet us at the finish line. It's okay. She wouldn't settle. She asked people. She was in her car driving around, and she positioned herself so she could cheer for us at mile 10. Can I get an amen, somebody? Mile, mile 10, when I thought I was gonna walk the rest of the way, okay? Even though I did 10, two before, that was seven years ago when I did my last half, so I wasn't sure. So, but she positioned herself. But there wasn't anything like her screaming for us. That made the difference. And the other thing that made the difference, she knew how important it was because Angela ran a half marathon some years ago with some forefronters, right? With, with Juby and some other people, right? They ran a half and she shared with us her story and how she was maybe at mile nine, 10 and she was struggling and she looked up and she saw Jonathan Judge and someone else <laughs> screaming her name. Let me tell you something. It makes a difference when people in your community, those you go to church with, when you hear from them, I'm praying for you, I'm cheering you on, I believe in you, when you get that text message from them, to be encouraged. I believe that this valuable work God calls us to is critical as it relates to our spiritual life and spiritual walk. Your particular voice and encouragement through the power of the Holy Spirit are gifts to someone else. It will help motivate someone to keep going. It will encourage someone to press through challenging times. So I have a question to ask my beautiful church community today. Are you ready for the question? And the question is, so what do you do? What do you do? How are you working the works that Jesus gave you? Now, let me tell you something. It's something I'm still working on. I'm still trying to get the right language and, and the right things to say. Uh, and in some instances, I want to say, 
I'm someone that likes to um, get into good trouble <laughs> as an activist and an advocate, all right? That would be one of my answers. Another answer is, I'm living the abundant life and finding joy in creating spaces of connection and belonging where people are affirmed in all their identities. Now, I said I'm working on it. That's something that's a little long, but, you know, it, it, it kind of like bring things together, brings things together. So, again, I ask, what do you do? Will you answer with just your job title? Or will it be something else? Like the many ways you are able to bring that overflow and that abundant life to those with whom you are in community, to your family, to the people that you work with, to the people that you meet on a regular basis. As the spirit of the Lord was on Jesus and on the apostles, so too is the Holy Spirit on us today, particularly on this day as we celebrate Pentecost. The spirit is on us to preach the gospel to the poor, to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. And the people of God said, amen, amen. Let us prepare our hearts for communion at this time. And we're asking that our virtual community uh, please gather the elements that you have set aside for communion. Uh, for those who are receiving with us today, we have little chalices with gluten-free wafers on one side, and we have alcohol-free juice on the other side so that our children can participate with us and so that we can be in solidarity with our siblings who are in uh, sobriety and recovery. So <clears throat> I would ask at this time that we would all come to receive and then I would ask that we would hold our elements until I let you all know so that we can all receive together. Everyone is welcome to the table. Thanks for listening to the Forefront Sermon Podcast. To learn more about Forefront and how we're ushering in the next 500 years of Christianity, visit ForefrontChurch.com.